I waited three years, three years to fix my driver's license. And now that I found out that the library wouldn't give me a library card without my driver's license, that's what I, did it for I you. went and got one the next day. I was worried when we when we traveled out of country and you still had a, a Texas license. Um, it was fine. It was fine, but also like if anything happened to you, I was worried. Speaking of which, sometimes I'm we do our intro, sometimes we don't. I'm Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, What's people? Up? Oh, I, I, oh, oh, it's Phoebe. I forgot about. Oh, her. we forgot about the dog. I wanted to give our listeners a friendly reminder that, you know, if you have expired government documents by many, many years, not to worry. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be fine. You know, that, that document you're putting off, that thing you need to go to your local, you know, your local government agency, just yeah. do it. The line's never as long as you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It's never as hard as you think it's going to be. Or if you have a pretty face, don't worry about it because somehow you'll get out of whatever you need to get out of. I walked into like the Secretary of State office like with a book, things to do. Like, yeah. I was ready to plop my ass down and uh-huh. wait. There was no one else. It was just nice. me in the whole building. Nice. Have you ever heard of that? Yes. Recently. I think <laughs> at, uh, after... Um, People were able to go back into the Secretary of State after, like, the restrictions from COVID and stuff were lifted. Mm-hmm. It was still really busy, but we've had to go in there once or twice since. And I think, like, nobody could really get an appointment. And then everybody was getting their appointments at the same time. And now everyone seems to have handled everything they need to handle <laughs> in the last year and a half. So now nobody, like, it's pretty crickets in there. Um, plus, I think they make it really easy online now, at least around us, where you can go on and make an appointment. Mm-hmm. So you can just show up with your appointment and then go in there and it's easy peasy. Where like before it was like, come in, sign in, take a fucking number, like <laughs> sit down. It's on number three. Like we're at the butcher. And you're fucking number one. So you got to <laughs> wait. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so what's up? We just did a podcast episode a couple days ago. Oh, yeah. We just did it on Saturday. So it just if it, it does feel very soon to be doing this. I wanted to tell you about a book that I'm reading. Okay, go ahead. And I, all of my listeners, I, I recommend this book to everybody. It is so fun. It's okay. on Audible. The Audible experience is incredible. Fun? A book that's fun? It's fun. You? Me. I know. It's just like a fun, like, soccer mom book. <laughs> it's okay. amazing. It's okay. called Finley Donovan okay. Knocks Him Dead. Okay. Or no, Finley Donovan is killing it. Okay, one of those is the title, and then one of those is the sequel. Anyways, okay. everyone just search Finley Donovan. How do you spell Finley? F-I-N-L-A-Y. Finley. Oh, Finley. And, sorry, what? A cat just screamed okay, outside like, the window. Was that a demon? What is that? <laughs> it's a demon There's in a my lot closet. of cats in our neighborhood. And they're like always screaming. And they're always fighting each other, and it's not screaming. It's like... Like, real screaming. So, Sounds after this demonish. podcast and I see George, I'm going to be like, George, you have to read this next on, no, on Audible. No, he would never. He definitely would. Wait, really? Yeah. Why? So, it's about this woman who's an author. I already told you about it a little. And she writes, like, murder mystery romances. And so, she's at a Panera Bread, writing, and talking <laughs> talking to her agent. And she's like, agent, like, 
my last three murders haven't gone right. I think I'm losing it, you、yeah. know. And then the agent's like, "No, you just need to get in there and do another murder."、Mm. And so the woman next to her at the Panera Bread thinks that she's a hitman、uh-huh. and like gives her a name and the amount of fifty thousand dollars next to it. And this isn't a spoiler. This is like chapter two. Okay. And so basically, the rest of the book is all of the shenanigans that she gets into because、nice. everyone thinks she's a hitman and she's not. Nice. And it is so funny. It is so good.、Yeah. Like、I've、had moments where I've like laughed out loud. Yeah. And like the voice acting on Audible is incredible. I'm just absolutely loving it. That's such、awesome. a good book. I'm also reading Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, okay. I've never seen the Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah.、Uh, so I watched the trailer just to get some visuals for、uh-huh. like the book. It's good, right? And the book is really cute.、Uh-huh. So, I haven't read the book. I saw the movie. So far, there's not like. A plot per se. It's more like she's turned old,、uh-huh. and she wants to not be old, but she also doesn't. Me. That's <laughs> <laughs> so but she, relatable. But she also seems to not care. Yeah, me. You know? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, "I'll fix this if I can, but if not, this is just the way it is now." Yeah. And so I thought it was really good. And then I'm also reading a book called "What Storm, What Thunder" about the Haitian earthquake in January of 2010. Cool. Did you know? Uh, that three hundred thousand people died in one day during the earthquake in Port-au-Prince. I mean, I didn't know the exact number. Three hundred thousand people. Like, it was like, crazy. That's almost as many people died over the entire course of the pandemic in this country, dying in one day, like during the earthquake. It's just absolutely insane. Because、uh, I don't know if those numbers are correct. How many people died of the coronavirus? I feel like you need to look that was up. Was it like six hundred thousand? Yeah, people... I was like, I feel like that. So, that so half the little, number. Yeah, I feel like maybe we just won't give out numbers if we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that that was true. A bunch of people died. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's okay. Anyways, incredible book. Definitely、yeah. recommend that one. So usually I only read one at a time, but right now I'm going crazy and reading three books. I never only read one book at a time, and that's why I have a hard time finishing a book. It's because I'm. Reading, reading nine three, books, like three or four at a time. <laughs> like I'm reading Liz Green's Saturn, which is a book I've wanted to read for years, and finally got my hands on thanks to Wiser Books. And I read about half of it. I feel like I could have got through the whole book、um, when I was traveling, but I decided to highlight the spots that like were important to me, and that's basically the entire book. So it's taking me about half as long as it should. To read because I'll read something like I'll read like a whole paragraph and then I'll be like oh that was good and then I'll have to go back and like read highlight the whole paragraph again. <laughs> oh that shit was good. It's so good.、Um, and then I'm reading. I don't know if I mentioned this, but、um, I'm reading an audio book. That's God. What is it called? Like something about the extraordinary senses. See what I'm saying. And it's basically like an exploration of the incredible things that the human senses can do, and the way he presents it, like the author presents it, is so interesting.、Um, talking about like echolocation for blind people and how they can ride bikes by like clicking and hearing how far away things are. I think I might、mm-hmm. have talked about it on the podcast before. I saw、um, like a documentary type thing about the about blind people that、yeah. can click like、yeah. with their tongue. Yeah. And they obviously can't see using that, but they can like feel the feedback. That's literally what I just said. I know, but isn't <laughs> it's just, literally for, just, just for the people that were confused for a second? <laughs> Anyone doesn't know what echolocation is? Missed missed that class in third grade. <laughs> doesn't it, doesn't it feel like we spent all of third grade learning about echolocation in bats? No, 
Is that just me? That's just you. <laughs> I feel like I, I spent a lot of time on that. Mm, I feel like third grade for me was spelling. That's spelling? all I remember from third, third grade. Third grade for me, I felt like it was just animals. Show and tell and spelling. Dude. I feel like we did like toucans, dolphins, bats, obviously. Oh, that's Nine so weeks good. of echolocation. Nine weeks of echolocation. <laughs> Anyways, there's more than just the echolocation, but it's honestly one of the most fascinating books I've ever listened to, and I'm not even like a quarter of the way through it. Like, it's so good. Um, and then, what's the other one I'm reading? Oh, I haven't started it yet, but our book club book with my grandma's book club this month is madness made me and i'm like very nervous to get into it and also kind of excited like i don't know if i'm gonna be like this is the most problematic stupid ass book i've ever read is it like a romance or, or no it's a memoir about someone with mental like their mental journey their mental Ill- illness journey mm. and I don't really Ooh. know much more. So <laughs> I, I'm hoping that it's presented in a way that I also, I don't know. Yeah, memoirs are different because <laughs> it's, it's their story, you know? True, 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 true. So I'm interested um, in you t- yeah. saying how that goes. I mean, it looks really interesting. And the like the first page is like it really grabs you. It's like I'm inside a locked black box. So it's like something like Ooh, that is like the first... Yeah. But it's, she's obviously not. She's just like, it's a metaphor or something. Uh, Anyways, I'll let you know about that one. Speaking of like being trapped in a black box. Okay, Phoebe is snoring. She's snoring so so loud. loud. She ate her fill and now she's sleeping. Yeah, I brought her big bed in here this time. I found an article called Reminders of Death Can Help Us Live Authentic Lives. I love that. I I've heard people online say things about deathbed perspective uh-huh. and how it helps them, but uh-huh. I found a psychology article about it. Ooh, we from, haven't talked about that yet. From Psychology Today, and the author is Carolyn McCann. She has Do a you PhD. use deathbed perspective? Do you think consciously, unconsciously? Or something? I think I use it a lot more now that I work with the elderly. Okay. And people are dying like all the time, uh-huh. and you know, people are like in and out and fine one day, fine not the next, yeah. and you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Also, when I worked, uh, when I when we first lived in Michigan, and I worked at that hotel, mm-hmm. and it overlooked the graveyard, and mm. I just had to look at it from my desk mm. and just like watch this graveyard like as the mist rolled in at night. <laughs> so you were thriving. I was thriving. Well, first of all, I was like, I wonder like what the proximity is for graveyards for ghosts to appear. Uh-huh. That was something I thought about. Like, I wonder what like the cutoff radius is, <laughs> and then. <laughs> you would, you would be thinking about. I was You're thinking, like, are they there? But I just can't see them because, like, because I'm outside the radius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I was outside like, of the radius. How many feet? And then, so like, that would get me thinking, like, wow, one day I'll be in the ground. One day I'll be outside proximity radius. <laughs> <laughs> one day a young gay will be thinking if my gay ghost is, <laughs> is in proximity to him. Okay, actually, that reminds me. Do you want to be buried, like, whole ass body in the ground, or do you want to be cremated? I don't really care. Uh, you kind of have to pick. I know. Uh, Unless you want someone to make the choice for you, and do you trust whoever is your next of kin? I, I don't really care. I mean, I'll be dead, so I'll probably mm-hmm. just figure that out when you're when dead. I want to be, when I want, I don't want to put that burden on somebody else to have to choose. But I feel like cremation is probably less. That sounds like wasteful something you would do, or like not less wasteful, but like pers- up your alley. personally, like I would rather them, you know, 
make me skinnier than pay for a box for my, <laughs> my Your body. girth to <laughs> lay in. <laughs> if you had an open um, casket. Although I do love the idea of just like laying in a bed for eternity. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Taurus, Taurus moon, moon vibes. Yeah. <laughs> How can I like just lay here for the rest of my life? I feel like I'm going to be a beautiful corpse. So I, <laughs> okay. fe- I feel like it would be a shame to, to, burn to burn me up. Okay. Also, like, kind of when we were growing up, we were taught that in the end times, like, our physical bodies will be resurrected, okay. you know, and, like, we will, like, roam the earth. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't need a body to roam. Exactly. <laughs> You're just a disembodied spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so basically people that were cremated weren't going to have the right bodies. Like, basically, they would have to be reassembled. I'm fine with that. Re- I- literally. That's yeah. actually the goal. <laughs> actually, you I'm know what? reassembling I my want... piece ash by ash. Yeah, I think actually it's probably best you reassemble me. So, anyways, it was considered like uh, you know a little low brow to get cremated. I don't believe that anymore. Mm. That like these physical bodies like will like anything will happen with them or anything mm-hmm. like that. But having that background does make me think like, well, Definitely. what if like what if yeah. Grandma was right and if you're cremated. Um, your ancestors and your descendants will have to work together to piece together the ashes scattered yeah. across well, the earth. Grandma so, also might have told you that you'll go to hell if you're gay. So I don't know <laughs> if we should believe everything like, Grandma says. Hopefully Grandma was chill about that, but I never had the chance to be like, Grandma, well, I suck wiener. Well, <laughs> so much How do you feel about dog. that? <laughs> yeah, this is the same Grandma that would hold me up when I would put the baby Jesus on the tree. So Okay, yeah, so... Mm, Let's see. Oh, pray pray speak, away those sands, you gay. Speaking of dead people. Okay. Grandma's dead. Uh-huh. So if you're listening, Grandma, hello. <laughs> I'm gay. I'm gay. <laughs> wait, have we... Have, wait, we, have we even, like, wait. <laughs> I feel like I was have, like, was this the right time to come out? <laughs> Actually, wait. Oh, my God. Are you hearing me? Like, I remember when... Because my grandma dying was one of the first deaths in my family. Uh-huh. And I wasn't sure if, like, your dead relatives could see you. Like, if they could roam the earth and, yeah. like, look at you. Yeah. And so every time I was in the shower, I would, like, cover my weenie a little, and I'd be like... <laughs> I'd be like... That is, just evil laughed <laughs> thinking about that. I because went, <laughs> it's not so much that I was embarrassed. Yeah. I was more concerned that maybe as an angel, like, Grandma had obtained, like, omniscience and was having to look at it against her will. And, like, I was worried Skyler, for her. <laughs> this is the most Virgo shit I've ever so I was life. like doing her a favor, mm-hmm. but then I was like, "Well, can she see through the hand?" I was like, "Is it all pointless?" You know. Anyways, it was there was <laughs> oh my God. there was a lot going oh my on. God. So, anyways, guys, that was a weird upbringing. So, uh, let's... thank you so much for sharing that. <laughs> I feel so much more enlightened. So, here are the key points from the article. <laughs> <laughs> who read? Who wrote the article? I said it, Carolyn. <laughs> I don't remember. Carolyn. The key points are funeral care workers with daily reminders of death may have more authentic motivation to achieve their goals compared to other people. So like this is the end result of having deathbed perspective was is that people have more authentic motivation to achieve goals. However, this effect appears to be stronger among people with a high psychological flexibility (laughs) and weaker for those with high levels of death anxiety. Reminders of death can trigger personal growth, especially if we can think flexibly and manage our anxiety about death and dying. So do you have any anxieties about 
your imminent demise one day. Yeah, I think that if you didn't at all, mm. like if you if you couldn't admit at all that you were felt weird that one day you'd be somewhat gone, somewhat anxious or fearful that like everything you know is everything you know will turn to dust. <laughs> <laughs> everything you don't, everything you know will be rotten someday. Mm. Um, I think. What's so beautiful and scary about death is that it's the unknown. And that fear normally lives within the unknown. Especially mm-hmm. for me. I'm a planner. I like to know what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And the, I know I will die. I know that things will come to an end. But having to actually... Like, when I say it, it's not so fearful, but when I actually try to put like myself lay in down a position and, think about and it. like, literally be like, I will cease to exist, <laughs> like, <laughs> I do panic. And it's been something through my whole childhood. And um, my brother, when he was a kid, had, uh, I think a lot of kids go through this, um, but my brother had fear of death anxiety mm-hmm. very, very badly. Oh, I was the opposite. I yearned for the sweet embrace sweet of, like, release. nothingness. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, so damaged. Yeah. No, I just remember my brother, like, having a lot of, like, screaming, like, I don't want to die. You know, like, it's hard. Stuff and like a lot that, of kids, yeah. like, don't get it. And then when they get it, they don't know how to handle their emotions. Like, once they um, learn that one day this body yeah. will cease to be. Yeah. This is a dark episode. I hope y'all are ready. Jesus. But you know what's funny? I feel like what... What's funnier than just imminent fucking (laughs) non-exist? And it it also is, you know, speaking of witch or witchy or spiritual or whatever, because, you know, that's what a lot of belief systems or practices are based off of are, if not death, then it's other forms of existence, Mm -hmm. whether it is like a soul after a physical you know, embodiment on Earth or something else entirely. Like, yeah, I feel like we're like on one day we will achieve release from our flesh okay, containers. Okay, listen, <laughs> you didn't have to say it. Do like you that. believe that your soul is inside your body? That's a good question. Um, Do you believe? That- I don't think there's anything inside my body. <laughs> Love, compassion. <laughs> Just the so, only thing my body is is raw sexual magnetism. <laughs> Have you seen this dumb truck ass, dude? There's, that's where your I'm soul is. I'm an empty is. vessel, but I'm just like a sex machine. Okay, I'm ready to go. Uh, do I think? I don't. That's a great question. I don't know. I think my soul is contained within the confines of my meat suit. <laughs> Contained? Yes, contained. Otherwise, it would be wreaking havoc upon the earth. <laughs> you, know, you ever seen Fantastic Beasts, the Harry Potter movie? No, I've never well, seen it. Okay, what? Okay, well, there's like this, like, everyone who's listening who's seen it is probably laughing and knows. Like, there's this, like, this black, I forget what it's called. I haven't seen, Inoculus? I don't know. It's like this black 
weird shadowy thing and it goes and like just basically wreaks havoc and destroys things and like kills people and it's like black oozy yes. like smoke. If I didn't have That's my meat literally suit. literally you. <laughs> that That's me. what's inside of your. <laughs> that would be me flying out of every listener's yeah. phone screen. That's your human dude. So guys, the pandemic has brought the contemplation of death and dying uncomfortably close to our everyday lives. While reminders of death are frightening, one of the tenets of existential psychology is that facing these thoughts and overcoming, quote-unquote, death anxiety brings positive benefits. One such benefit is the desire to live life authentically, according to your own personal values. Oh, this is hard. I agree that the pandemic made a lot of people, like, a little more up close and personal with death, because a lot of people lost somebody, mm-hmm. and then it... it, it Death can happen to any of us at any moment. Yes. And so we'll kind of go into that about the at any moment type thing and deathbed perspectives and all of that. But I did think it was interesting that this article is written post-pandemic and a lot of people are more interested in mortality and like health and, you know. Yes. Being more like preserving your body. And then, but also for what? Because one day we'll all die. So anyways, having all that perspective. <laughs> okay. So guys, actually last week, last week, new research published showed evidence that people surrounded by reminders of death live life more authentically. Hence this article. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Hence this article. That, Hence this, this article. This article? This research led by Dr. Andrew Arena at the Black Dog Institute compared 107 funeral workers to a similar group of 121 people who did not receive any reminders of death in their day jobs. These two groups of people were similar in a lot of important ways. They were the same age, they had the same level of education, the same proportion of men to women, married versus unmarried, and belonging to different cultural groups. The major difference between them was simply that one group was surrounded by reminders of death and dying in their daily life. So I like that. They have a bunch of people that are surrounded by death all day and some people that are not. Yeah. So on average, the funeral care workers had lower death anxiety. So I guess the more you're exposed to it, the less anxious it makes you. Yeah. And they also showed more authentic, quote unquote, self-driven motivation to achieve their goals. The funeral care workers were also more curious, more psychologically flexible, and more likely to use active forms of coping with stretch. With stress. You're good. Such as approaching the problem rather than avoiding it. These results support existential theories that reflecting on death and mortality leads to growth outcomes. Okay. So I thought that was interesting that we have like statistical data that shows that people that have a lot of death reflection show different psychological traits than people that don't ever have to think about it. To me, that feels like saying like, here's a group of people who work out. Here's a bunch of people who don't. (laughs) The people who work out are lift more heavier. likely to be stronger. <laughs> and the people who don't lift weights, statistically, they're not as strong. Because, like, you know, in psychology, be- we can't assume. They, I know. You know they, they have and I to- get it. And it's, like, interesting when you say it. But then once you read it out to me and I'm thinking about it, it's like, well. Duh, right? Like, exposure to anything sometimes can numb you sometimes can expand you sometimes can you know Mm -hmm. whatever in this case i would think instead of having like a doom mentality it's more of like a (laughs) a natural embrace of what is to come you know they say people who you know work in like things like slaughterhouses or um you know uh, meat facilities or stuff like that they're so desensitized to things that, yeah. you know, once they step away or whatever, 
and there's some time between them and those experiences, they realize how much they were affected by just like what they were being exposed to every day. Yes. Um, that's a really extreme example, but it just feels kind of like the first one that came to my mind. I would think that if you're constantly around people who are mm-hmm. dead or people who are dealing with grief or loss of someone and you're just seeing or thinking You just kind of learn how to swim through it more and more and more like as you see more and more people. Yeah. So in the study, researchers measured authenticity in terms. It's like they kind of defined what authenticity meant in this little sub-study. Okay. Um, they measured authenticity in terms of the different motivations people have to pursue their goals. Mm. Study participants listed five different personal projects that were important in their lives. These projects could be things like lose weight, make more male friends, spend more time with my children, etc., etc. They then rated four different sources of motivation for doing this project. So they kind of like went through like the four different types of motivations, like, you know, external motivation, internal motivation, you know, introjected motivation. And yeah. I, I learned what that was. Guys, just fun trivia. Introjected motivation is the reason for doing something is because you feel like you were obligated to do it. You feel shame, guilt, and anxious if you don't do it. <laughs> AKA a Libra and Virgo's in, in, entire just, existence. Just natural state is yeah. introjected intra, motivation. Yeah. So they went through Libra's all the like, I don't want to, but I must or I'll die. So it said people with quote unquote high authenticity had a lot of intrinsic motivation. Like it came from within and mm-hmm. they did the they did the things they wanted to do for themselves and you know, all that. Mm-hmm. Rather than external or introjected motivation. Yeah. That is authenticity represents doing things because you value and enjoy them rather than because you feel like you have to because of what other people want. Yeah. So, so in the study, the funeral care workers had higher authenticity. The important projects in their lives were things that they valued and enjoyed. So I guess we should do what we like. We should do what we like, oh, and we'll God, have seems so... and we'll do things we value and enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we do wow. that? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I gotta go, guys. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> so the study found that while exposure to death related to greater authenticity, there were two characteristics that increases and or that could increase. Basically, there were reasons why some people were harmed during this. Mm. It says people who do have high death anxiety do not benefit from reminders of mortality. That is, for people with really high death anxiety, there is no difference in authenticity for funeral care workers compared to the others. One reason for this is that factoring uh, or that facing and overcoming anxiety about death is thought to be the process by which growth outcomes occur. So basically, some people are just not there yet. Yeah. Well, I, I also think about like, okay... I forget what it's called, but it's, like, basically the type of, like, get over your fears by, like, forcing you into it. Like, mm-hmm. exposure it, therapy. Exposure therapy, yeah. Um, and it's funny because, like, let's say you want to help someone get over their fear of spiders. Mm-hmm. So you stick them in a fucking box with spiders. Will that work? Probably not. That but would just maybe kill me. Maybe in some sense, maybe, maybe they do realize it's not so bad. They never get bit. They're freaked out. But like maybe in the end, mm-hmm. maybe it works. I feel like the... You can't really do that with death. No. Because you just still don't know what happens. There's no... There's nothing you can learn from being exposed to... If you have, if you have a high fear of... Death, death and then suddenly they're dropping like flies around you that would just start to reaffirm the fear yeah i feel like there's no way to like try expose and expose therapy. therapy even if you became like a funeral director i just think 
I feel like if I, I had know. to do, like, if I had to think of a way to do exposure therapy for someone like this, I would give them a goldfish. <laughs> and then one day the goldfish would die. Okay. And I feel like, you know... What if it never died? Okay, my goldfish when I was little was 12 years old. <laughs> so it that would w- be. That would happen. Okay. That would happen to the person I was trying to <laughs> yeah. help. And they'd be like, well... I guess I'll never die. I don't have anything to be worried about. Goldie will never die. (laughs) So, two. (laughs) People with more psychological flexibility showed greater benefit from the reminders of mortality. I consider myself very psychologically flexible. Psychological flexibility Uh, is is the tendency to be comfortable thinking about emotions and unpleasant memories. Wait, why when you said that did I not think about psychological flexibility? I thought about, like... You doing yoga and it oh, literally yes. very flexible. You are you are not. I imagine okay, listeners, imagine the most like tightly woiled up yep. coil. Yeah, you wanna know if you you know when you pull out like an old school rubber band from a drawer and it's like hard. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then you go to pull it and it just immediately snaps. <laughs> And it doesn't even snap, it like cracks because it's so like... It just turns to dust in yeah, your yeah, hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's no bend or pull. It's just, it just, it's br- so brittle, it just breaks. I find that relatable. That's you, me imagining you doing yoga. But psychologically, you could stretch me a thousand miles. Yeah, you're like slime. I'm psychologically, like slime. I'm psychologically you're like slime. slime. Physically, you're like an old dusty <laughs> rubber band. <laughs> People with high flexibility would disagree with the term, I'm afraid of my feelings. Among people with high flexibility, there was an even bigger difference in authenticity between the funeral care workers and others. Psychologically flexible funeral care workers really enjoyed and valued their life projects. The researchers proposed that flexibility acted as a catalyst for growth outcomes, facilitating the process of death reflection. So it says there seemed to be like this core theme of either people are afraid of how they feel about death or they're not afraid of how they feel so like even if they're having scary feelings about death they're not afraid of the scary feelings if Mm. that makes sense Mm -hmm. you know so i thought that was interesting so the study suggests and this is the final part yeah this study suggests that reminders of death can prompt us to enjoy our lives and live according to our values if we are able to sit comfortably with our negative emotions or memories and to consider death with excess, without ex- ex- excessive anxiety, we can benefit from these reminders of death and dying and use them to help us live our most authentic life. Maybe I'm going to say something a little controversial, but oh, no, sometimes what? I feel like for myself personally, you're going to live forever. A little anxiety sometimes helps. Because if I was just, maybe that's that's the Virgo rising in me where I'm like, Mm -hmm. I love it because it motivates me. (laughs) I'll use my anxiety as a tool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, if if I'm anxious about it, I know that I actually am feeling things about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Spoken like a true Virgo placement. <laughs> I don't know. I'm actually feeling the things unless I'm anxious. In, the anxiety <laughs> in my body alerts me. <laughs> it knows I'm actually in, invested in what's going on. <laughs> Psychological pain. <laughs> I must Thanks, actually <laughs> care. 
I feel like I don't obviously want my mm-hmm. anxiety to control me, but sometimes like an anxious feeling or it's like a bit a, of a, it's a bit of fuel. It's almost like a little like uh, an alarm clock for me to like pay attention mm-hmm. to what's going on. For me, on. it's a countdown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> to what? The end. <laughs> You want to know what? what? You want to know what Alex told me? Yeah. He said that when he was little, he doesn't know who told him this, uh-huh. but or why he still believes it. But he said that when we're born, all of us have a certain number of times our heart will beat, and one day, it'll be the last beat, and we all are like predestined with a certain number of beats. I mean, I think about that sometimes. <laughs> Because, you know, I've got that, that weird heart condition where I have, like, my resting heart rate is 90 okay. beats per minute. You are fine. It's Literally, you're So, basically, what I'm saying fine. is is that if I do have a certain number of beats, I'm racing towards the end twice <laughs> as fast as everybody else. <laughs> or twice as slow. Or twice as slow. You never know. Um, okay. Wait. <laughs> what were we talking about before that? Anxiety? It's, yeah, I mean, we were talking about a lot of stuff. Listen, anxiety... Like, if you get anxiety... You... I get anxiety thinking, okay, like, what if I'm on my deathbed and I look back at my life and I'm like, oh my god, you dumb bitch. Yeah, okay. Like, why didn't you do the thing? Okay. I feel like those types of anxieties can motivate me to... Right. ...do the thing... Right. ...that I want to do. So that's... I feel like, especially if you're into stuff like shadow work or Mm -hmm. um even just being self-aware at all i hope people don't have to deal with anxiety uh, that's like extreme but i think everybody feels it anxious at some point it's just you know how to differentiate sometimes being able to handle it and sometimes it being out of control and that's where you know people have to deal with things like possibly being medicated or seeking you know mm-hmm. professional help to you know to talk out those things but ever but being anxious is a normal experience and i feel like for me when i am feeling certain things at least about death and i feel anxious it's like okay well what about it is making me anxious and then it gives me like an opportunity to kind of i guess reflect on why I feel that way, and then what would I do about it? And if I'm like, there's nothing I could do about it, mm-hmm. then it kind of helps me. I don't know. I guess sometimes my anxiety, I feel like, can be helpful, and other times it's like crippling. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, I don't know. For some reason, I go in and out of having anxiety about death. Like, some, why is it sometimes we're more aware of our death than others? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess recently because we've lost people and um, more people in our life are coming up with cancer and things like that. So we have had to th- deal with a lot. The pandemic was hard for us um, being away from the kids and even before we lost Jason. So I have, I think, in the last few years been thinking a lot more about death. So I think my anxiety around it has gone up as most people's have. But I can even think back to when I was a kid. Um you know, there would be times where I wouldn't even be thinking of death at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we would be doing something so mundane in, like, school or whatever. And, and then you'd have out of that so no- raven vision. Yes. And out of nowhere, I would be, like, all of a sudden, like, smacked in the face with my imminent, like, mm-hmm. death. And that automatically would send me into this, like, fit of anxiety 
out of nowhere. So I don't, I don't know. I think this is. I have, am not afraid of dying in the sense that I'll be gone. I am afraid of it hurting. Like, I'm afraid of being in pain. That's, I'm the complete opposite. So, like, I'm afraid of, like, the pain that would I lead to the death. pain. The death that comes after that, I've always been very, like, I don't know, not, not confident, but I've always felt like... <laughs> the only thing you're confident The only thing in this entire world I'm confident about is that when I die, I'm going to fly straight to heaven. <laughs> Carried on the wings oh, of multiple yeah. angels. Anyone going to heaven? It's not you, bitch. Slytherin ass motherfucker. I'm gonna fly so fast. You're not. I'm gonna be a fucking. Yeah, you're blur. gonna fly like a fucking dementor. <laughs> Straight up there in a fucking yeah, costume, across like the earth little rascals trying to get a bank loan. Oh. <laughs> Hello, good sir. So I am here for my entry into heaven. I, I don't. I found a random heaven, blog post on the internet, and it is actually really sweet and really helpful about death anxiety. Okay. And it's from this website called BeyondTheDash.com. Is it vegan? I don't know. Is this death article vegan? So it's called Five Ways to Overcome Your Fear of Death. So, like, wow, it's that easy. This is literally for people going, how, you know, literally Google. Google Google.com. Strategies for facing end-of-life issues without anxiety. Uh Uh-huh. So here's one. And this was, like, this first tip is actually really, I thought, a great tip. So, like, if you Just, like, stop worrying. (laughs) Did you already read that? (laughs) So, when you start to feel, like, if I start to feel anxious, one, get centered in your values. So, it says, whether or not you're religious, simply knowing your personal position on death and the existence of an afterlife can help reduce death anxiety. Having a sense of your own values, fears, and expectations can help alleviate anxiety. Fear of death can can be a manifestation of fear of the unknown, like you said earlier. Mm. So it said, even if you aren't certain of your stance on whether or not there is an afterlife or something like that, or what will happen after you pass away, reflecting on your beliefs, answering philosophical questions, and exploring spirituality helps you feel more secure overall because you're willing to face these questions and mm. face these issues. Yeah. So prayer, meditation, religious, and scientific study and engaging in candid conversations about death are all ways people cement their beliefs. So whatever you believe, having a personal system of viewing and processing the world makes your life more meaningful and less anxiety-inducing. Cute. I thought that was really pretty great advice. Like centering your values and then being willing to form an opinion and cling to it. Yeah. You know, like maybe at the end when we died, nothing happens and it's just inky blackness as our consciousness turns into evaporated energy for some reason i just saw you talking and somebody illustrating this podcast into like a cartoon and there was like inky blackness you were like this bobblehead cartoon and there was like a squid that just like inked all over you and like swam away into like the netherworld like i don't my brain just went some weird places there that's me getting centered in my values Mm. you getting inked on (laughs) by big (laughs) engage with death when the opportunity arises so dealing with loss and moving through the grieving process is a painful experience the way you process your emotions in the throes of extreme grief may end up dictating your relationship with death in the future so it's important to fully explore thoughts feelings and questions that arise so while grieving you may want to go to a local death cafe 
and we'll go back to that. Read up on the um, death positivity mm-hmm. movement and take opportunities to deeply explore death through your own personal lens. As with many difficult topics, regular and informed exposure to death discussions may slowly take some pain out of it. Easier said than done, but it's always worth the emotional work. And they and at the end of the article, they do they like if you are feeling anxieties beyond the normal scope of being a human being and seek professional help. Yeah, so, that's good. But um, anyway, so I I was like, what the hell is a death cafe? And there's one in Detroit. And this is, I'm sure there is. And there is. This is the description. So death cafes are all over the world. It's a global community that gathers informally to drink tea, eat cake, and talk about death. There is no agenda, presentation. There's no objective, and there's no theme. It's not bereavement. It's not support, and it's not grief counseling. It's just a place where we discuss death without any expectations. Convers- that is some fucking Mercury in the eighth house, or like some fucking Mercury in Scorpio shit. If I have ever fucking heard. Doesn't this it. sound cool? It says conversation is generated by participants in a respectable and confidential space with no intention of leading to any conclusion or course of action. It's just talking about death, and when talking about death, the more we add to life. Death cafes are free and open to people of all communities and all belief systems. You don't even have to have suffered a loss ever to attend. Well, sometimes I feel like maybe that is the best person to attend is someone who hasn't lost anyone. Yeah. they're wanting to talk Just about it. Just kind of go see, like, what the hell's going on. So I thought that was really interesting. I'd never heard of a death cafe. but Well, apparently- I mean, if they have cat cafes, I'm assuming they'll have death, death cafes. cafes. I, do you think a Virgo opened that? or No, baby. No, no, who? no. Who? I would think a Scorpio. A Scorpio opened the or, death cafe. Or, like, an Aquarius with, like... <laughs> A lot of eighth house placements or some sort of, yeah, no. There was two paths for me in mm. this lifetime, believe it or not. Like, whatever I am now, whatever this is. I don't, baby, no one knows. Or, like, a goth emo that works at a death cafe and only wears black. You wish. I feel like those are my two paths. Mm-hmm. I ended up on this one against my will. <laughs> Maybe that Libra Pisces I know. would never. So I would have looked cute doing it okay. is the only difference. You would have been like the Hello Kitty version of a goth queen. Iconic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Three. Um. Yeah, that's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> Three. Make your own end of life plans. Sometimes fear of death is related to feelings of powerlessness. Making your own memorial plans and leaving instructions behind will ensure your wishes are met. Knowing how things will proceed in the immediate aftermath of your death is reassuring for some people. Making decisions about your funeral and memorialization may not be easy, especially if death-related topics are disturbing to you. Remember that once your advanced planning is done, it's done. You should not need to revisit your plans again unless you ever want to change them. Hmm. So, I like that. You know, like if you're ever really anxious about it, you know, plan it. Plan your funeral. Spoken Get it all again, like a true fucking earth placement. <laughs> right? We're all over this shit. If you're shit. anxious about it, then handle it, for fuck's sake. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if it makes you anxious, then got control of it. If it makes you anxious, then just plan the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Four. Honor those who have died. <laughs> Tell that to an eight-year-old that's having, like, an actual, like... Crisis? Crisis. You'd be like, look, baby, if you're anxious, Whoa. let's just... Plan the plan funeral. your funeral. <laughs> if you're so anxious about it, then... Actually, that's, that's... You being anxious is making me anxious, so let's just plan the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's... God, 
maybe that's a good idea for if a kid's mm-hmm. having. I mean, I guess it like, depends what would on you who want? it is like if you, or how It depends the on the kid. That, and the age, but. Would that have worked on me? What's your guess? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely would have. Like, Can Madonna sing? Yeah. And, <laughs> and your mom's just like, yes, baby girl. Yes, baby girl. Anything you want. Anything you want. Celine Dion will be there too. <laughs> Four. Honor those who have died. Fear of being forgotten or having a meaningless life <laughs> oh my God. is another element of death anxiety. By participating in death rituals and memorialization of people who you've known, you honor those who have died. It's also a way to remind yourself that life matters, your time on earth matters, and that those who live well are always remembered well. Mm. No matter how much time has passed, it's never too late to remember a loved one who has passed. A retrospective obituary, memorial benches, death versaries... Um, celebrations of life or other personal ways of remembering them, blah, blah, blah. By taking the time to honor the dead, we learn what is uh, important about life. Having this greater understanding is imperative to easing death anxiety. I have seen... So before working at the senior home, Uh I would consciously know what it means to honor those who have died and, like, remember people who have passed on. And, like, you know, and, like, I, I remember people who have passed on but I wouldn't have really understood what it meant to honor people who have died and maybe, like, live, like, with, like, I don't know, like, talismans of, like, their existence. Like, some of, especially people who have lost their spouses of, like, 30 years. Uh-huh. Like, if they were married for 30 or 40 years and their spouse died 10, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and just, like, the way that they talk about them, like, they're still here. Mm-hmm. Or... Or people that, like, still write letters to people that have passed, like, ten years on. I do that. And uh, stuff like that that I that I see happen. Yeah. Just, like, these, like, living living objects for people so that have passed So, what are you on. saying? Like, you didn't ever know that? Like, I didn't ever even think, think about, about that. Okay. Like, why? I, it's not something that I would necessarily feel called to do. Well, again, you haven't really lost anybody except for, you know, like, maybe your grandma or whatever but even then it was you know yeah i feel like maybe it was still sort of a step outside of your immediate like awareness mm-hmm. like if you died you know? would yeah. i write you a letter no i'd be like you're dead yeah i would just say it to you, you and i'd cover my, my wiener thing. in the shower <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah you would <laughs> i would definitely raid your room before i called the police yeah. like if i found your dead body i'd make sure you didn't have anything good in first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think, uh, I have been, I've been carrying, I guess, talisman, talismans or, um, I've always really liked things associated with, um, family members, even if they weren't, uh, remembered as great family members or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I still always liked things that, like, material items are tools for me and I feel like, I've always been really uh, aware of the potency that it's had in, like, at least my own spiritual practice. So having things like my grandpa's old watch or having, like, his barber cutters that he used to use or my great-grandma's, my great-great-grandma's diary where even though she just wrote, like, today is cold, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm, like, her handwriting's in this. Like, she kept this, she, you know, she carried this around. Those things have always been sort of important to me. Um... But things that make bigger impact for me are, like, writing letters. Like, I often will, um, I guess, memorialize people. 
Like I'll write a letter to my papa and just kind of catch him up and tell him what I miss about him or whatever, whether it's for him or myself to mm-hmm. feel connected to that person again. Um, yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of always done that. And I kind of thought it was like normal. Mm-hmm. Is it not maybe? Maybe, Maybe in the is. spiritual practice, like if you have some sort of, mm-hmm. um, a spe- like specifically a culty practice, I feel like that's a little bit more mm-hmm. like common to find people talking about ancestors or people who've crossed over or even like spirit work of any kind. I feel like that's more mm-hmm. you know popular, but yeah. In one of the books I read recently called Betty by uh-huh. Tiffany McDaniel, it was one of the most gorgeous books I've ever read. One of the characters lost his wife a long time ago. And every day, 365 days a year, he ties a letter to a balloon for her and Uh just, like, lets it go. And wherever it goes, it finds her. Oh. And so people all over town always find his letters. Oh. And, like, they're always reading them and, like, Mm. passing them around and talking about them. And it was just so sweet and disturbing. Yeah. And, but that's something that I've learned kind of, like, about grief, I think, is that it is really, like... sweet it's really disturbing yeah it's really like grief is so much more than just like grief like it is it just looks like so many things Uh uh-huh and like it's beautiful and it's ugly yeah and so i recently went we have game nights with our friend group and we went to a game night last month where we went to our friend Susie and justin's house and all over their house there are these like the, these like jade trees or these money trees or whatever you want to call them. There, there's multiple names for this plant, mm-hmm. and their house is like filled with plants. But it's just this one type of plant. Like it'd be like me having spider plants, and that's the only thing that we have, and they're like literally everywhere. Like that's mm. what it feels like when you walk into at least like the kitchen, dining room, living room combo, which is quite big. Like it's everywhere it's like they're like hanging from the ceiling and in you know macrame baskets or they're like all along the shelves like there's like six little pots of different sizes of like a virgo dream it's really cool um because it's like cluttered with plants but because they're all the same it feels clean you know what Mm. i mean um and there's some that are really big and like bigger pots that literally are like trees in the corner of their rooms and there's little ones like on the they're everywhere and so i asked Susie, I said, Susie, um, what's What's up? with all these like, trees? What's with all these money trees? And she's like, this plant came from Justin's mom who passed away, who I think I got to meet once. And everybody just said was like so incredible. She had like the best energy, the best personality. Like she was very well loved within, you know, mm. her life and even like her kid's friend's life. And, um... This plant came from one of her plants. And so I guess Susie said they grow really easy for her. They take off and she just continues to pull pieces off and like propagate them. And she just like keeps filling this house. And she said, I don't know exactly how she phrased it. I would like to get her exact terminology, but it was something along along the lines of like, this feels like the one way that I can help like preserve her spirit is by like keeping these plants like going and filling our house with it because every time we look at them you know you think of them and then um a lot of the people who were at this game night said i have one and i have one and i was like can i have one she's like yeah take one so now we have one and it's in the kitchen and it was just thinking about like 
how somebody's energy and soul can live on in different ways other than physically being here. Mm-hmm. And one of those memorable, honoring ways That's feels the most beautiful like, story I've ever heard in my entire life. I know. Life. And so what's so crazy is I think her name is Caroline, and that's who wrote the article. Mm-hmm. But um, I like was saying, what should I name it? Because I name all my pen. She's like, name it Caroline. And I was like, okay, then I will. I'm pretty sure her name was Caroline. I'm pretty sure. Oh, fuck. Yeah. No, I... I, it was either Carolyn or Caroline, so I can... It's fine. I, I know the plant. I get it. But everybody at this game night, like, had one, and I just feel like that was a cool way to keep somebody mm-hmm. in in your thoughts and in your energy and in your existence. And especially because she gets to be passed on to people that she's never met, potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just kind of keep going. Yep. And... Yeah, and I don't know her, but, like, when I think of that plant, I think of her. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Like, I think of the idea of her. I think of, you know, like, now I want to keep this going. Now I want to propagate it and give it to other people. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So there's so many ways to connect and honor people or, you know, deal with death, even if it's not something that immediately affected us. If I ever write a really sad book, I'm stealing that idea. Okay. Just completely. Okay, cool. I'll name her Coraline. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. And then the last tip is get a counselor. Yeah. And we love that. Because Uh, I feel like that should be a tip for anything that we ever talk about on the podcast. So what's our timestamp? Seek medical or professional help. We did it. Okay. Oh, that's it? There's no like more going into getting a professional? It was so like cliche. It was like, listen... You know if you need a professional. Well, sometimes people don't. Uh, let me tell you. Okay. If you can't function. Yeah. Like if you literally can't get out of bed. Yeah. And no matter what you do to try and help yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. It's time. You got to get help. Yeah. You know? Okay. Skylar for president. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Okay. So this was kind of a darker podcast. I <laughs> was into it. I loved it. Um, and we hope that you guys are all good at home. Uh, and to our little ghost who we hope will be able to haunt once we're crossed over. This is our list of spooky ghosts. I don't know how to segue our list of supporters. Thank you for supporting us so that we can handle our anxieties about death in a manageable way. These are meat sacks. Oh, okay. Giving money. To other meat sacks. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you so much, And when meat I sacks. get to heaven, I'll remember you. Okay. If you're on this list. That voice just <laughs> guaranteed your spot in the fiery pits of fucking hell. Anyways, we love you so much. Thank you to the people who support our podcast every month, especially Sarah N., Julie C., Anna M., Heather A., Alyssa S., Rebecca PK., Teresa D., Dominic B., Melanie W., Catherine L., Phil K., Jesse D., David B., and Karen, not that Karen, R. Thank you all so much for donating uh, or support supporting our podcast. It really means a lot. We love doing this for you. If you would like to support the podcast and you're not on this list, you can head over to anchor.fm slash speaking of which mm-hmm. and click the support button. You can support for a dollar a month or $5 a month, even $10 a month. If you'd like to make a one-time contribution and you don't want to you know, contribute monthly, you can do it and then cancel or you can reach out to us for our PayPal 
Or if you want to support us and you can't or don't want to financially, <laughs> we get that. We understand. Life is short. You know what I mean? But you also can't take it with you. So maybe, like, give mm-hmm. us some money. But you can support us by sharing this podcast on a social media platform or with a friend or by going and rating our podcast five stars only, bitches. Um, so in the end, in summary, everyone dies and we'll all... And it's disturbing, and the only thing we can do about it is get over it. Watch people shower and (laughs) cover their pee-pees. Please don't watch me. (laughs) Oh, we will. (laughs) (laughs) We will. Honestly, everyone's watching you. It's the Truman Show. I don't have death anxiety about myself. I have death anxiety about other people dying watching me. Dude, do you? What are you doing for the rest of the night? Reading. Do you want to watch the Truman Show? This we've talked about about this. We've talked about this for literally almost two years now. (laughs) It is like a rite of passage that you have not seen this movie, and because we talked about death, it's not the same. But I feel like having an awareness that your life is a TV show and there's cameras everywhere. Like it's like. Oh no, I can't. Yeah, no, you will. Let's watch it, please. Let's go downstairs. It's like a deep-seated fear of mine. I know, and it's great because it's Jim Carrey, so it's beautiful. All right, Mm. that's what we're doing. I, you don't have an option. I'm making you do it, and we'll report back. All right, love you guys. Bye. Bye.